Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing what's more important, cash flow versus income. Also, what are the different investments or products that can help protect you and your nest egg? My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and president of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Hey, Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear it, Brian. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We've got another great show in store for you. Brian, the other day you mentioned that cash flow planning differed from income planning. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, I think that's a really important topic to go over because some people listening might be going, well, cash flow income, it's the same thing, Brian. Come on. No, it is not. It's very different, and it can really affect your life, your investments, your legacy, just the difference in definition of that, and also where you're getting your advice. And so let me explain that a little bit. So a lot of my industry is focused on income planning, income, income, income. you got to have income in retirement. you got to have this. we got to stock up on that first, and everything else is secondary to that. Oh, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. I need income to live on. However, sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. So for instance, if you're listening to the radio or talking to an advisor and they're talking about income planning ad nauseum, they are probably gearing up to sell you an annuity, an income for life annuity. There's nothing wrong with that in moderation. However, let me give you an example. Let's say that your focus was just on income. And when I talk about income here, my clients or prospects or people I talk to define income as rental income, interest, dividends, pension, or annuity. That's the primary sources of what they define as income, stuff that can go on a tax return, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they do not define the growth of asset as income. So an obvious example here would, to me, would be, let's say you had $100,000 five years ago, and somebody turned it into income, and they said, okay, let's put it into a, I'll just say a CD. And back then, CDs were paying, say, 2%. And so you get 2000 a year for five years. That's income. You know, okay, right. I, I, I agree with that. that's not only cash flow, it's also income. But what if you had someone else that put 100000 into a, a company like Berkshire Hathaway? Berkshire Hathaway never pays a dividend. And so five years later, you go, oh, wait a second. I put hundred grand into this thing. I got no income. I got zero income. I got zero cash flow. That's terrible. I should have put it all in a CD, right? And I might remind you, well, your Berkshire Hathaway, let's say it doubled in value. So your 100000 is 200 Yeah, but I can't spend any of that because it's not income. I'm like, whoa, okay, back the truck up here. So this is what the difference. One of those two examples, 100000 that became 110 with 10000 of interest, anybody would call that income. But nobody would call the increase in the value of the other asset that doubled as income. And I'm looking at the, I'm saying, well, one of your statements says you got 110000 the other says 200000 It seems to me we can build a cash flow plan from this. Doesn't mean I have to sell some of my Berkshire? Yep. But it will create cash flow. So cash flow is now different than income. The Berkshire, in this example, is, and I'm just making up a, a company here that went up in value. But in my example, if your investments went up in value, you can create a cash flow plan from that that isn't just labeled as income on your tax return. And so uh, it can be very different. And you might think about that and you go, oh, yeah, I can see that. And I'd have $310,000 to work with from my 200000 investment. I'm up 110 in your example, Brian. That's right. Oh, I see. So I can create a cash flow plan out of my investment strategy. So that's where I'm differentiating between pure 
income versus a cash flow strategy, they are very different. And it seems rather complex when you explain it like that, but it is actually rather simple, or am I wrong about that? Well, it is complex because now we've got to, we're, we're going to talk about, well, where do we get a balance? We're going to talk about balance also, but let me give you another example. So let's say that you go, well, okay, I just want an income plan. I, I'm going to solve for that, and I am going to put all of my retirement, I got $2 million, I need hundred grand a year. And let's say that you were sold a lifetime guaranteed cash flow for life annuity and it paid a hundred grand a year, 5%, and let's say a flat payment the rest of your life guaranteed on your $2 million investment. You go, great, me and my insurance uh, salesman solved my income problem. Well, you created a couple other problems. One problem you created was, boy, I, I did that five years ago and this thing called inflation happened. And now my dollar is worth 30 cents less, 30% less, say, or whatever it is, than it was five years ago. Where's my raise? Oh, no, you bought a lifetime cash flowing annuity. It doesn't go up. It was flat. 100000 rest of your life. I'm like, oh, I didn't really consider that at the time when inflation was low, that that would be a problem. But now I'm thinking, gosh, five years in, it's a huge problem. I'm already cutting back. What is this going to mean five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Oh, no, if this continues, my 100000 might feel like forty, And I am not going to live the life I want to live because I put all my money into that annuity. And so that's problem A. Now I'm going to go to problem B. You put the $2 million into the lifetime annuity, and it's paying you for life. Great. Guaranteed. Great. doesn't go up. Okay, well, that wasn't great. Here's another thing, though. A lifetime annuity, the design of those is if you live long enough, when you pass away, there will be nothing left for your spouse or heirs. It goes to zero. That's the design of them. Because some of that $100,000 in my example that that person's receiving is principal. And that principal is going to dissipate the uh, cash surrender value of that annuity, if you live long enough, to zero. So you had $2 million in your retirement. Sure, you uh, locked in hundred grand a year for your lifetime. Great. That sounds good. Who wouldn't want that, that? But you basically signed up for a program that leaves no legacy assets to your kids and grandkids. If that's okay, fine. If you don't have kids and grandkids or charities, fine. Or a spouse, fine. You know, But know that going in, that that's what you're signing up for, that amount of money. Now, that's okay. Again, it can be okay as part of a portfolio's plan. I want guaranteed cash flow for part of my, say, $2 million investment account, my retirement account. But I want a growth plan, too. I want some liquidity. I do want some security. I want but I need growth in there too. I want to leave money behind. I want to do a couple of things, not just provide for guaranteed flat cash flow the rest of my life. And so this is where putting all your eggs in one basket, as we talk about on the show all the time, no single investment is perfect. No single investment does the five things I want investments to do. Growth, security, cash flow, liquidity, and tax savings. It takes a village. It takes a group of investments to satisfy all those things. And so when you solve just for one of those five, you may be really hurting yourself on the others. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs, and we're talking about which is more important, cash flow versus income. So, Brian, you kind of scared me with this conversation. Let's flip it now and talk about growth. Yeah, let's say that the person said, oh, gosh, I listen to Brian. I, I don't want to do that guaranteed lifetime cash flow. I'm going to all or nothing the other direction. I'm going to put it all in the stock market and design a cash flow strategy based on the growth of my stock market investments. Great. Okay, well, now I'm going to scare you again. Let's say that you had $2 million and it was 1999 and you retired and you said, man, I read online that I, I can take 6% out a year and be just fine. That was back when it was the 6% rule. Now I think they call it the 4% or the 3% rule, but right. at the time it was six. And so that's roughly 200,000 a year. So for the first three years you had, you know, I'm going to make more than six on my money. 6% of $2 million, you took your, your $120,000 out a year for three years, and you're saying, well, it's certainly going to earn that, right? Uh, funny thing happened, uh, something called dot-com crash, something called 9-11, something called a recession. So that happened, and people's accounts that were all in growth basically got cut in half. Well, not only did it get cut in half, but you pulled 360000 out of that, and what was left got cut in half. So now you're going, well, wait a second. I had $2 million. I was just going to spend the growth. And now I'm looking at an account. I'll just throw out a number. I, I haven't computed that. Let's say it's 700000 
and you go, oh no, if I keep pulling 120 grand a year out, I, I'm going to run out of money. And oh no, it'll be okay. The market will come back and it starts coming back and you go, okay, I'm fine. And then a funny thing happened, 2008 and the banking crash, real estate crash, stock market crash, and it happened again. And now you're going, I'm toast. I cannot pull 120, I can't pull 20 out. Your whole plan got messed up because you put all your eggs in the growth basket. So you're now, okay, Brian, thanks a lot. Now you're scaring me on both ends. If I went all cash flow, I could be toast for my legacy plan and for my inflation protection. If I went all growth, I could be toast with a market crash, which literally happened to people twice in one decade and could happen again. And you're going, wait a second, maybe I should just hide my money and put it all in cash and not worry about it. I'm like, well, I have a story for that. Remember my story about the lady that came to me and she said, everybody else at work is retiring and they're with their 401ks with over a million dollars in them. Mine has 150. Why is that? Because I've been in cash for 30 years because I'm afraid of the market. I'm like, well, you don't get to retire. And I said, oh no, I, I had too much security. So I had three stories here. I, you know, I want these things in my portfolio, growth, security, cash flow, you know, liquidity and tax savings. And I just gave you a story where somebody was all in growth and their plan blew up. Somebody was all in cash flow and their plan did not solve what they wanted to solve. And someone that was all in security and their plan blew up. They had to work. They couldn't retire. So just going all in on any one of these can be devastating to a portfolio. Now, sometimes it works out great. You know, if you put it all in growth and you put it all in Microsoft way back when, it's gone way up in value. You go, Brian, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you picked the right stock, sure. But what if you didn't? And what if you went through dot-com, 9-11, uh, 2008, COVID, whatever the future may hold. So we have to protect against that. So really, it's about balance. It's about using all the different areas of investments to create the plan. Because if you do it on your own, you do it with an advisor that's kind of got a, you know, they're the hammer, you're the nail, they've got something to sell you, a strategy, that's probably not the best one. Brian, this has been an interesting conversation here, and I want to dive more into this because it really can be complex, although on the surface it does seem quite simple, but I want to continue this conversation in just a moment. But in the meantime, I want to talk to our listeners here about cash flow versus income. If you don't understand the difference between cash flow and income, if you've got questions about how to maximize cash flow and turn income into cash flow, I want you to call us here at Madrona Financial and ask for your complimentary Madrona review. Won't cost you a dime. That telephone number 833-673-7373. The phone lines are open right now. So give that number a call today, 833-673-7373. It's just a casual conversation. Actually, it's a discovery process between you and our Madrona advisor to find out where you are and to differentiate between cash flow and income. You must have at least $500,000 or more investable assets to qualify, but if you do, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Once again, that telephone number 833-673-7373. You can call right now and request your Madrona analysis. If you've got questions about cash flow and income, this one call could make all the difference. 833-673-7373. Brian, you've talked about cash flow, you've talked about income, but let's talk about the tax part of this equation. Yeah, as I mentioned, there are are five things money can do. It can grow, provide cash flow, liquidity, security, or tax savings. So we we were talking about, okay, maybe I need some growth and cash flow or or that kind of stuff. What about the tax savings part? How does that play into that? So so when when I'm looking at somebody's portfolio and we're constructing plans for it, trying to figure out what kind of life do you want to live? What kind of cash flow do you need to support that? Where is it going to come from? Where's your growth going to come from? Where's your security? All of that. The Taxing may not be as obvious, but it is more obvious once you're really getting into that plan because any of my advisors uh, have somebody's investments. Very often, they're in three particular places. There's your qualified accounts, which is your IRA rollovers, your IRAs, uh, any any kind of account that where tax has not been paid yet on it. There's your Roth accounts, well, you'll never pay tax on the gains. And then there's your non-qualified accounts, where there may be tax. There may be underlying capital gains in that. There may not be. So that's a nuance there. So now I'm looking at these different buckets. So I'm saying, oh, I could pull money, let's say cash flow. We've got a plan. We've, we've got diversified assets and, and all that. Now it's the next step. Where do I take it from? 
depending on the year that it is and what your other tax situation looks like. So that's where our CPA firm comes into play. Because now we're looking at this going, well, I have a bunch of money in all of these different accounts. Should I take it from my Roth? That's tax-free. I'm like, well, no, you just retired. You're in a low bracket. Please do not take it from your Roth. We want to fill that low bracket with qualified money. Oh, oh, okay. What about if I take it from non-qualified? Well, it depends on where. Maybe you have some capital gains that would be taxed at a very low rate, so we want to take it from the appreciated portion of your non-qualified account. And next year, we take it out of your not appreciated portion of your non-qualified account. So it's simple on the, on the outside until you start peeling back the onion a little bit and you say, oh, okay, so now I'm, I want to solve for cash flow and growth, but I can also need to look at the tax implications of that to maximize or minimize my income taxes paid based upon the combination of whether I'm pulling money, my cash flow in retirement from qualified accounts, from non-qualified accounts that have appreciated, from non-qualified accounts that have not appreciated, and from Roth accounts. And so we, we have this blending that, that can occur. This is an opportunity. I know it sounds complex, and you know we do the heavy lifting here, but sometimes complex means opportunity, and that's what it means in my world. You can not do any of this, and you just won't have as much money you know, or whatever, or as, as much uh, security or, or cash flow or whatever whatever as somebody that did do it. So I would suspect most people that are listening to this right now would say, well, I'd rather have more money than less. I'd rather have a good plan than a bad plan. I'd rather have a tax strategy rather than a not tax strategy. You know, that's the, that's the easy part. Just identifying to yourself, do I want what he's talking about or do I not want what he's talking about? And maybe currently you don't have what I'm talking about and you want it. So that's what we're, you know, we, we can offer uh, with our combination of our advisory firm with our CPA firm. And Brian, there's so many takeaways I'm getting from this conversation. I love that. Uh, and I want people to remember that complexity many times equals opportunity. The other takeaway that I'm getting from this is that, you know, this money is moving all around from one place to another place. And beyond that, I think that people are listening to the program. They may understand a lot of this. But really, is this something that somebody really wants to listen to this program and do on their own? Can they do it on their own? Or do they really need you and your firm, your Madrona advisors, to help them make these decisions and move this money around? Because it appears that if you don't do it right, you could make some terrible mistakes that could affect you the rest of your retirement. Well, we do talk about on this show a lot about the five things money can do, but let's talk about the six places you can put them, and then I'll answer your question. And so the six broad categories you can put your money is cash and cash equivalents is one, the stock market, the bond market, the insurance company product market, the passive real estate market, and alternative investments. Now, three of those categories you may not be able to access on your own. So you ask me, can I just do it on my own? Well, in theory... But if you want security and guaranteed lifetime cash flow and private non-traded equity REITs or credit funds or universal life products or whatever, there's so many products within that that you just don't have access to. You do have to go through a financial advisor that offers those things. So, you know, the smartest person in the world that doesn't have access can't do what I'm talking about here. So I, I did want to put that caveat out there. So to answer your question, Jeff, I think it'd be uh, helpful just to say, okay, what does the decade of my 60s look like? So I'm 60 years old. I'm still working at a job. So I'm, I'm contributing to 401k. I'm planning for my retirement. I think I need a financial plan, to uh, an integrated financial plan to tell me when I can retire and what that retirement could look like from uh, cash flow growth and so forth. Uh, can I do it? Does it make sense? How much will I be able to spend a year? That's in your early 60s. So then you come up on retirement. Now it's like, oh, okay, now I have an opportunity to or maybe I rolled over part of my 401k at, at 60, 59 and a half, and I'm still contributing. And now I have some choices. I can take a pension or a lump sum. I might want a little help with that decision. I might need a little help discussing my spouse and when they should retire from their situation. I might need a little help with when should I take Social Security? When should my spouse take Social Security? Uh, let's say we're going to put it off for a few years because I might work part time and I don't, don't want to take it before my full retirement age. 
Now I might have a couple years where my income's low and I want to do some Roth conversions. What does that look like? Or some capital gains sales at the 0% bracket. How much could that be? Uh, we got to run that th uh, through our CPA firm. And then once we kick some things in, maybe I put some things in place, maybe an annuity or something else that's going to start putting cash flow out there for me at a particular point in time in combination with my Social Security. So I'm going to want to back down off my qualified distribution when my other income goes up. So again, I'm, I think I'm to age 67. I just went from 60 to 67 for a pretty typical client. I'm like, wow, there are a lot of inflection points and decision trees just in that seven-year span that you're talking about, Brian. And, and you know, I'm not even getting into the, if you have investment real estate, uh, decisions related to that, business, whatever, other investments, inheritance, different things that can happen. So yeah, I think there's a lot of points within you know our clients that are going through these life changes and a lot of them can happen in your 60s. I think they're pretty happy that they have somebody that understands the nuances of how all this interplays, whether it's the investment availability, the diversification of the investment types, the tax planning around that figuring out the maximization of tax planning strategies, all this kind of thing, all works together just to create a better outcome. Cash flow versus income, Brian, is one of those more important than the other, or can you have both of those equally? Well, that's a great question because I, sometimes I ask, I say, okay, these are the five things. What's most important to you? And, and I almost always get the same answer, all of them. <laughs> Can't I have all of that? And I, yes, you can, but I do need to prioritize this. So uh, one analogy uh, I was thinking about before we started talking was my food analogy. Which is more important, protein or leafy green vegetables with lots of vitamins? Well, both, right? I think both. And that gets back to my example is, is like, all right, cash flow, you know, if you put all your money into income without any inflation protection or any legacy asset, that might be your protein. You put it in a growth asset, that might be the leafy green with all the vegetables. I kind of need both to be healthy. Yes. So you need both. So you need all of the above. I'm not going to say you need. I, I don't know you if you're listening. Right. I'm going to say that for most of the clients we talk to, they want all of it. They want growth. They want cash flow. They want security. They want liquidity and they want tax savings. They want all of the above. And having a balanced approach, uh, much like my food analogy, everybody knows if you eat one thing and one thing only, you will die. <laughs> you know, if, if you heard yeah. carrots are good for you and all you mm -hmm. ate were carrots for a month, you'll be dead at the end of the month. I guarantee it. I'm not a doctor, but I pretty much guarantee you'll be dead. <laughs> I've heard that that happened to somebody who was, it did. Uh, did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so same thing goes for investment. I mean, the, the analogy kind of is the same is like, if you put all your eggs in one basket probably isn't going to go well. You need a balanced approach. You need a well thought out design. So just like a nutritionist would develop different food groups and different things. Well, if you're lifting weights, maybe I'm going to have more protein to that diet than someone that isn't or vice versa, you know. So certainly it's, it's kind of analogous to that. It's probably not the best analogy in the world, but I think it's pretty close. No, I like uh, it. That, yeah, that there, there's a balance to this. They're all important. And we can accomplish that with a group of many different inputs, different kinds of investments, many investments that a do-it-yourselfer cannot access on their own, many investments that most financial advisors do not offer. Some can, some cannot, uh, most do not. And so that's, that's just the reality of it. That's, you know, maybe somebody just sells annuities. And if I just sell spinach, I have Brian's spinach store. Yeah. <laughs> and you're coming in. I, I want to gain some weight. I want to, you know, lift. And stuff. Well, all I got is spinach for you. I think you need some spinach. <laughs> Didn't you watch Popeye? He, he grew muscles by eating spinach. I'm he like, did. No, I yeah. think, I, think I, I read I need some protein. No, no, you just need spinach. <laughs> you know, so if, if I'm just selling one product, I may be able to convince you that you should buy it. But you might regret that later that you didn't talk to somebody that had the plethora of, you know, the, the Costco of financial advisors, not the, the Brian spinach store of advisors. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, think about Popeye there. He had great big muscles, but it seems the rest of his body was pretty skinny. And as I recall, he also smoked and had a raspy voice. So <laughs> he wasn't doing what was right for yeah, him. He spinach focused... and cigarettes is probably not the way to those biceps. I, I think so. So that's the other thing. You know, maybe just because somebody says something or you read it on the internet doesn't mean it's real. Just because you saw it in a cartoon doesn't mean it's real. So Yeah, I think people confuse cartoons sometimes with uh, real life. I used to have people get in my car and I'd play a little joke and say, put in your seatbelt. I want to try something. I saw it in a cartoon, but I think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And it's like, <laughs> open yeah, the door. Can you let me out, Jeff? Right.
right. Get out right away. We were talking about the difference between cash flow and income with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And again, if you're wondering about this delicate balance of cash flow and income, if it all seems complex to you, you need a little help with that. You're wondering what will happen to you if you don't get it right. Well, good news. We've got an answer for you. You can call today, 833-673-7373 and request your no cost, no obligation, complimentary Madrona analysis. If you do call today, and it doesn't make any difference when you call, somebody will answer the phone. They'll take some basic information from you. More than likely, it's going to be your name, your telephone number, just some basic stuff. You'll get a call back in the coming week to set up an appointment so you can have this very important conversation. you got to have at least $500,000 or more investable assets to qualify. And if you do, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. 833-673-7373. No cost and no obligation. Brian, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be discussing different investments or products that can help you protect your nest egg. Stay tuned. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to Growing Your Wealth. I'm Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this next segment, we'll be talking about different investments or products that can help you protect your nest egg. And Brian, you've said it on the show many, many times. There's no such thing as a perfect investment or product. What are different investment products that offer protection and what are you giving up if you add them to your portfolio? Yeah, so we'll talk about some of the detriments of different areas. I did want to summarize what are some of the different investments because some people might go, well, I can put my money in the bank or I can put it in the stock market, right? Or I can buy that annuity that they're selling on online or whatever. And and like, well, there are different areas. And I'll just kind of go down a list, just kind of a brief list here because I talk about there's six main areas you can invest your money. I, I mentioned cash, stocks, bonds, insurance company products, real estate, and alternatives break that down a little bit more. So on the cash side of things, you know, you can have checking accounts, obviously savings, money markets, and, and we'll call CDs, well, you know, short-term CDs, kind of an, a cash equivalent. And so there's various places you can use money for cash, cash equivalents. That's usually we think about when we think about liquidity, the, you know, the five things money can do, grow, secure, provide cash flow, be liquid, or have tax savings. Probably the best place for liquidity would be obviously the cash area. The next area is the stock market. So we, you know, we all know what the stock market is, but there's so many different areas of the stock market. You know, we can break that down into U.S. foreign, large cap, small cap, developed foreign emerging markets, sector funds, etc. So stock market, big topic. Bond market, another big topic. You can break that down into tax-free municipal bonds or taxable bonds. It'd be government bonds, corporate bonds. High yield bonds, which is another name for junk bonds, just so you know. So that's another area, the the bond market. So the next one is insurance company products. Now that can range from fixed annuities, which are kind of like almost like a long-term CD. You lock in a particular rate of interest for a longer period of time. There's something called a fixed index annuity, and they come in two flavors. One can be for safe accumulation, where it can't lose money in a bad market, but it can make money in a good market, depending on what your index is. There's another kind of fixed index annuity that has cash flow for life. We talked about that in the last segment. There's something called a variable annuity sold by advisors that are not fiduciary licensed. And so the variable annuity has a stock market component. We don't offer variable annuities. Uh, We think the fees are too high. If you want to be in the stock market, skip the insurance company is kind of our thought. The next area might be universal life, where you can provide tax-free cash flow and retirement and life insurance if you die prematurely. Then we get into other areas such as uh, real estate, I mentioned. It could be private, non-traded real estate investment trusts, where you own the real estate, or public REITs, different areas you can go there. There's credit funds, where you're a lending fund, you're pooling your money with other investors, lending money out and getting interest at a high rate. There's structured notes, which are kind of a little bit of a lot of these topics. Opportunity zone investments for where you can put capital gains. Delaware Statutory Trust, where you can put 1031 proceeds from a tax-deferred exchange. Buffered ETFs, private equity. I could go on and on. There are so many different potential categories. And so I wanted to talk about, you know, your question was, uh, is there a perfect investment? Well, that wasn't really a question. We already know. There is not. No, there's not. No one of these investments can provide all the attributes we want for a properly balanced retirement portfolio. But within them, we need to understand what are the benefits and detriments. So each one of these does have detriments. I want to spend a little bit of time on some of them. 
And it seems like that if you're getting safety with a lot of these things, you're also giving up something else. But let's talk about the detriments then before we talk about the positives. Let's go right to the top of the list here. You were talking about stocks, and I would imagine that certainly they're not as safe as some other investments. Right. Stock markets, we all know, uh, stock market can be very volatile. It can also be very good over time. I always remind people that tell me, oh, the stock market's too volatile. I don't want any money in that. I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't think that back when the Dow was 2,000 and now that it's closer to 40 than it is to 30,000. I'm, I'm glad I didn't think that. No, it does not do it in a straight line, but it goes up over time uh, historically. Do I have a crystal ball for the future? No, I do not. And most importantly, do I have a crystal ball for the years that you are in retirement that you need to rely on this money to retire on? No, I do not. And that's why we put security along with growth assets. So it is a growth asset. It has the benefits of uh, historically very good returns long term. If you know, stock markets have done quite well in my lifetime and I've uh, been living a long time. So I'd say, boy, overall, that can be a very important component. But again, we had, I gave an example in the first segment today about, well, let's say you relied on that uh, right before the dot-com 9-11 and banking crisis busts and, and you were pulling money out and we, we suffered from sequence return risk and you blew up your retirement. So it can have a detriment, but it can also have a lot of positives, primarily in my world as part of an investment portfolio. But for most of my my clients, not all of it, if they're in their retirement years. If you're 30, 40, great, go for it. Put it all in high risk stuff. But a lot of our clients are, are in their retirement years. And Brian, of course, we were talking about protection here, security. And I think above uh, really stock should have been cash and cash equivalents. I mean, they're relatively safe. I would say that they're totally safe, but there are obviously some big detriments to those. Yeah. As I mentioned, the, the person that was invested in their 401k plan their whole life in cash, their workmates were able to retire and that person was not. And so went overboard on the whole security thing because they were worried about the volatility of the market. And they, again, when they started working, it was, the Dow was probably two, 3,000 and you know it went 10X and they got none of that. And so they didn't have a retirement account so they could retire. So that's pretty life-changing just because I took too much security. I thought security was a good thing. Well, you know, uh, you can overdo things. You can be overly secure in your investments, and that can be as big as a, of a problem as being overly risky. And so, again, we have to blend the two. Uh, and, and that's where getting to know our clients is huge, because if we come with a cookie cutter approach and go, everybody needs to be secure, everybody needs to buy an annuity, everybody needs to be protected against an upcoming stock market crash, whether it happens or not, we're going to put you all into security. Well, Get to know your client, you know, or vice versa. No, we're going to go for it. Well, my 88-year-old widow doesn't want to go for it. And maybe my 60-year-old client does want to go for it. You know, they're different people. And maybe husband and wife, one wants to go for it and one doesn't. One wants all security. One wants all growth. So I always tease them, of course. Uh, My job here is to make sure you both leave this uh, meeting equally dissatisfied with whatever we come up with. And so blending those is so important. But having too much security can be a problem. We, I talked about the, the security of a lifetime cash flow annuity and the problem it can have if you have inflation and yours doesn't have an inflationary component and the problem you have with the legacy because you may be leaving nothing behind for your spouse or heirs. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs, and we're talking about the different investments or products that can help protect your nest egg. In particular, we're talking about securities. And of course, we talked about cash, cash equivalents, stocks. Let's now focus on the bond aspect of things and security. Yeah, our industry, I think it's failed a lot of people in putting out this 60-40 stock bond split as the mix of growth and security and calling bonds secure. Now, bonds, if you hold them to maturity and they, they pay the principal back, then I guess that can be secure. You locked in a particular interest rate. But most people don't buy a 30-year treasury and hold it 30 years. You know, no. they, just, they just don't. And so they buy bond funds. And what we saw in 2022 was when interest rates spiked, whatever your bond was paying was much lower than the market for new bonds. And so the value of your bonds dropped. And so we saw a significant drop in the value of a bond market in 2022 and the stock market, which had a very tough year, especially the NASDAQ, the tech companies. And a lot of different areas of the markets had a very bad year. We had inflation, we had interest rates spiking, uh, real estate markets dried up, uh, we had all kinds of problems. And people that were in bond funds are going, oh, wait a second, I was told that this was secure. 
Losing 15, 20% does not feel secure to me. Uh, secure feels like I shouldn't lose anything. And so that's why a, a lot of advisors might say, well, instead of using bonds as security, let's, let's use a couple other approaches. So one approach might be a fixed annuity or a fixed index annuity. Insurance company products that have either a floor of zero, so you don't go backwards, or a guarantee of a return that, that doesn't change. That's the fixed annuity component. So that's a way to add protection to a portfolio without taking the risk that a bond market can have. Another way to do that, I believe, is just through diversification. Real diversification, not, you know, I own 500 stocks, therefore I bought the SP 500. I'm, I'm totally diversified, right? I'm like, well, no. Remember those 20 different areas of the markets you can invest in, uh, 20 different types of products? That's what I'm talking about with diversification, that you have diversification within all the six areas, the major areas you can invest in, you know, cash, cash equivalents, stock market, bond market, insurance company products, real estate type uh, investments, and alternative investments. So that's what I'm talking about with diversification. Brian, when I think of safety and security, primarily I'm thinking about insurance company products. I mean, insurance companies traditionally are relatively safe. So if we keep that in mind and we go with just, you know, heavy insurance company products, what are some of the things that we're giving up for this security? Yeah. When you go all in, uh, heavy into insurance company products, you're, you're probably giving up growth and you're giving up legacy uh, assets because you're probably pulling on, especially if you have a lifetime income annuity, you're pulling principal out. You feel like it's income because it's a check. And again, we were talking about the difference in cash flow and income. Well, part of that cash flow, you know, it's cash flow, it's coming to you, but part of that is is your principal and part of it's your earnings. And a, a big chunk of it might be your principal and you don't even realize it. You think, oh, I bought this annuity. I'll leave it to my kids someday. Well, no, you won't. It's going to go to zero. So you are you might be giving up a legacy asset. Now, if you don't have kids or charities or whatever, fine. You, you maybe don't need to do that. So that would be a different plan. I'd have a different plan for somebody that says, I don't have a legacy. I don't need to leave a dollar. I want, I want to spend my last dollar the last day I'm alive. I'm like, great. Okay, you have a different plan than someone says, well, I got four kids and, and I want to leave something behind for them because my parents left something for me and I, I feel an obligation to that. I'm like, great. Okay, you have a different plan. So I would rely you know, less on that lifetime income annuity maybe for that person than I would for the person that says, I don't need to leave anything behind. So there's that aspect. So there, there can be many nuances, but again, we'll get back to the point I was making earlier about everybody's different. Everybody has a different situation, goals and objectives. So one of our major steps in uh, financial advisory for our clients is that life planning step and then figuring out what you want your life to look like and then reverse engineering that. And that's going to be different for everybody. So we don't have one product we're trying to shove you into, oh, we got the 60-40 stock bond split. It works for everybody. We got this annuity. Everybody should have it. No, that's not us. So if you if you know exactly what you want, go find that salesperson, let them sell you the, all of what they have. You know, again, the spinach store. If you want spinach, go to the spinach store and buy all their spinach. You know, but I would think most people would like to hear from a different kind of advisor that actually has access to all the different kinds of products. And Brian, to your point there, I mean, I'm going to talk to our listeners. If you want to talk to an investment advisor who wants to sell you, you know, just one of the standardized stock bond portfolios that they have, really almost any investment advisor is happy to sell that to you. Or as you said, if you want all your eggs in the annuity basket, in the insurance basket, anyone with an insurance license be happy to sell that as well too. But if you want to go beyond just a product and maybe a sales pitch and you want to focus on the lifestyle first and the life that you want to live and you want to focus on the things that are important to you, you want to have a conversation with an advisor who look at your unique needs and desires through a comprehensive lens. And I'm talking about an advisor who really understands that maybe you want to travel and see your kids. Maybe you want to go on some overseas vacations. You want to start a hobby business, an advisor who wants to help you discover who you really are in retirement. Then listen up, this is for you. I want you to request your Madrona analysis. You can do it this weekend by calling 833-673-7373. And it's just a casual conversation. You can do it right now. Somebody's there to take your information. As I said, it's just a casual conversation between you and a Madrona advisor to ask the questions that need to be answered to put you on a path towards a confident retirement. Now, once again, you've got to have at least $500,000 or more investable assets to qualify. But if you do, as a bonus, we'll send you out a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. It's not going to cost you a dime, but the Madrona analysis could be just what you need to help you decide whether security should really be at the top of your list and how to really balance your retirement portfolio to get you where you need to be. Once again, 833-673-7373. Call it right now, if you will. Ask for your complimentary Madrona analysis. And remember, this one call could make all the difference.
Brian, we were talking about the things that you give up for security. And of course, we talked about stocks, bonds, and insurance products. Let's talk a little bit more about real estate security and uh, the things that you may be giving up. I would think that real estate would be one of the least secure things that people would want to invest in. Well, the funny thing is, uh, often real estate has been kind of a steady eddy in a lot of people's okay. portfolios. So, for instance, uh, I have a lot of clients that have owned investment real estate. That might be rental houses, warehouse, or apartment buildings, or you know, you name it, uh, raw land, anything investment real estate. And we work with a ton of folks on uh, people that want to no longer be a landlord and want to do a 1031 exchange but don't want to be the active landlord anymore. And we provide the Delaware Statutory Trust investments to get them there. So so even though it's been a steady eddy, oh, I get my monthly rent checks, my real estate just keeps going up in value. It's it's a most steady eddy thing. And one of the reasons it feels steady eddy is because you don't have a ticker tape going on, on your rentals or your warehouse where you do on your Microsoft stock or whatever you own in the market. You can look at it. It's moving every minute of every day, but you don't get a, a new appraisal every minute every day on your real estate. So sometimes it kind of feels like it's more secure. Having that as a component in your portfolio can balance things out because some years real estate does good and the market does poorly and vice versa. So we often have uh, situations like that. Now, one of the, the risk areas of owning real estate, I will say, is some of the things that we don't know. So there are people out there that have significant investment in a particular kind of real estate in a particular, we'll call it address. And let's say that you had this real estate and it was funding your retirement. You're like, I don't need any of that stuff Brian's talking about. I get my rents every month and I don't have any problems. Real estate's the most secure thing in the world. I got my tenants. They've signed long-term leases. I don't have to worry. And you owned an office building downtown somewhere and you're going, oh, what's this uh, COVID thing? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean no one's showing up anymore? Yep. Uh, what's what's Zoom? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What's a remote worker office? <laughs> what, right. What's all? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, the renewals are coming up, but I never see anybody at the at the building. And, and the restaurant at the bottom of the building, uh, they vacated. I, I don't, I got an empty shell on, on the bottom. Uh, I've got graffiti all over. No one's showing up at work anymore. And I don't think they're coming back. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to renew this lease. Oh, no. My retirement asset just went terrible and i could do this with a lot of asset classes my retail store oh what's this amazon thing what's mm-hmm. what you mean, online shopping what do you mean they don't need to come to my store anymore and they can have it delivered by 5 p.m that day mm-hmm. oh no for less money oh no <laughs> right. what am i supposed to do with that and i own the building i'm in now i'm going to lose my my rent from myself because i don't have my retail store anymore my restaurant went under my this went out there's lots of kinds of real estate out there that we didn't see it coming. Shopping centers, uh, you name it. Theaters. Did we ever growing up, Jeff, think that no one would go to theaters? I would have never thought that. Yeah. What's this blockbuster thing? And then, okay, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to sell my theater in 1031 into a blockbuster uh, shell. <laughs> bad, <laughs> now, bad move. Well, bad move. <laughs> now I got. I used to have a, a, a theater. I, I sold it at pennies on the dollar, but at least I got out in time to buy the blockbuster store, which now is empty. Maybe I got out of that and got an office building. Oops, that was a mistake. Yeah. You know. So some people underestimate the value of diversity within even one of these components. So I'm talking about big picture diversity of, oh, how about cash cash equivalents, stocks and bonds and insurance company products for different purposes and life insurance and real estate and alternative investments and credit funds. But even within any one of those, you can overdo one area. So if you're listening and you have a lot of real estate, investment real estate, but it's in a particular kind of real estate, you know, none of us saw that coming. None of us thought no. shopping centers wouldn't be worth anything or, or theaters or office buildings or whatever it is. We don't know what we don't know. And so sometimes you go, well, even if I can't picture what could go wrong with my particular kind of real estate, maybe if I could do a 1031 exchange like Brian's talking about into array of different kinds of real estate. Let's say you sold your XYZ piece of real estate and got some of it through 1031 exchange into a Delaware statutory trust owning apartment buildings and self-storage and an Amazon facility and, and net lease properties and, and student housing and, and different areas in different parts of the country, you might be able to think, okay, well, I could see something could go wrong with one of them, but I doubt something can go wrong with all of them. And so uh, that diversity can really add to the security of even the real estate component within your investment portfolio. 
Right. When I was talking about the security of real estate, I was really talking about that. The fact that office buildings certainly have maybe a little less appeal than they used to have, but residential real estate. Yeah. I mean, I would think it's relatively secure, but you got to think about the things that go wrong as well with tenants moving out. There can be all sorts of problems with residential real estate. We've covered that on past shows. And I think that's the subject of one of our educational videos on our website, madronafinancial.com. Let's move on here to uh, ETFs, exchange traded funds, insofar as security goes there. Yeah, exchange traded funds. And I, I did want to touch on what you just said. I wanted to mention to anybody listening, uh, we have literally about 100 videos on 100 different topics. They aren't two-hour movies. They're they're like four to six minutes. And so many of the topics that I talk about on this show, you can get a, a deep dive in four to six minutes. Just go to our website under the education tab and click on the, uh, I believe it's educational videos, mm-hmm. and you'll see all different kinds of topics. And surely there'll be some that you're interested in that maybe, well, I need a little refresher course on what a step up in basis is or a Delaware Setcher Trust or a Credit Shelter Trust provision right. or whatever it is. Uh, you need a little four to six minute explanation. Go to that the website and you can you can get that uh, very easily from there. Yeah, Brian, that is a great resource. Yeah. And, and, and answer your question, uh, ETFs, uh, exchange traded funds, they're akin to a mutual fund. So you can spread out there. So some people go, oh, I invest in ETFs. Well, which one? Do you have the uh, you know S&P 500 ETF? Do you have the energy sector ETF? Do you have the ETF of you know Southeast Asia countries in textiles? I mean, <laughs> you can get a corn ETF. You might you buy mm-hmm. corn futures or whatever. You you can get an ETF in about anything, but it really matters where you're investing. So again, that that's part of the diversification piece. And then there's different kinds of ETFs. I mentioned something called a buffered ETF. A buffered ETF is something that reduces your downside risk if the market you're investing in went down during the period of time that that buffer is in place. But it also, there's a detriment to everything. It also reduces your upside potential somewhat at the same time. So you can't get something for nothing. But if you're willing to give up some of the upside, you can you can also give up some of the downside risk with a buffered ETF. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs and our subject in this segment, different investments or products that can help you protect your nest egg. Brian, let's move on to uh, credit funds and security there. Yeah. So what is a credit fund? A credit fund is where you basically after... 2008, uh, a lot of banks were kind of put out of the lending business to middle market corporations and larger real estate projects. And so that need was replaced by private equity. So you can invest in something called credit fund where you pool your money with other investors and the company goes out and lends money, whether it's to corporations or against uh, secured real estate and that kind of thing. And generally they can get a pretty high interest rate. That's, that's where I've seen the highest stated returns as far as cash flow. What's the detriment? Well, there can be a couple. One is the underlying value of that investment probably doesn't go up. So whereas real estate and stock market values, they can have great years. Well, credit funds, you don't own the underlying investment. You don't own the the company stock. You don't own the real estate. You just have security in it. It's a loan. You're getting interest and you can't expect to get any appreciation on that. The other risk out there is, well, anytime you loan money, uh, what happens if you don't get repaid? (laughs) Whoever you lent it to, they didn't take care of their money well and you don't get your money back. So super important, even within this area, because I've seen hard money funds where people invest in a particular project and they call it hard money and they get a really high rate and they're excited Mm -hmm. about that until they don't get paid back. And then they're going, oh no, I didn't see COVID happen. I didn't see interest rates spiking. I'm not going to get paid back. They would have been better off Probably uh, in most cases, it had they pooled their money in a diversified credit fund instead of a single project credit fund. So even again, diversity within a particular asset class that I'm talking about, how important that is and understanding the difference between a properly diversified credit fund that can pay a really high rate and one that isn't properly diversified where something can go wrong. Brian, let's sort of tie this up a little bit for our listeners. We've been talking about security as far as different investments go. And when I think about the five things that money can do for you, we've talked about it so many times. Security, of course, is there along with cash flow, growth, liquidity, and tax savings. As you get older, do you think that security should be moving slowly towards the top of that list? Or can security stand all on its own? I mean, if you just have security, again, you're giving up some aspects of the other things that money really could do for you. And I think as you get older, you not only need security, but you really do need some of those other things. Yeah, I would say generally there is a kind of a, it's not for everybody, but certainly in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, growth is hugely important. Cash flow from your investments, not. Security, not as important. Liquidity, not. 
And then as you get in your 60s, 70s, or even 80s, growth, if you've done a good job growing your assets, you don't need to continue to necessarily do that as much. So that might uh, go down the list a little bit. Cash flow might move up and security certainly might move up to the top. I generally, when I'm talking to retirees, they, they want to make sure we have a lengthy discussion on cash flow in retirement, where is that coming from, and security. You know, what happens when we have the next bad whatever market? It's hard to predict that kind of stuff. Uh, impossible, in fact. And so we certainly start with those very often, but not everybody. You know, different people are like, oh, no, I got plenty of money. I can ride out a down market. I've done it before. I don't worry about security. Okay. Or I have plenty of cash flow from XYZ. I don't need to really focus on that. Okay. So uh, not everybody's the same, but yeah, Jeff, I think you're, you're spot on that very often the, the conversation for a lot of our clients is to make sure we have enough security and cash flow so that when we add the growth component and then we got to make sure we have enough liquidity to fund their lifestyle. And as always, there's always a tax aspect to all four of the other areas. So as you said, security is important, but the other parts of what your money can do for you are equally important and your priorities change as you get older. I want to touch on something that uh, you talked about earlier in the program that really sort of hit me hard, and that was complexity equals opportunity. Our conversation seems sometimes complex, but the complexity of these things really do present some opportunities. It does present some opportunities, and and a lot of my industry likes to, I'll just say it, dumb it down, and that's fine if that's what you want, but that's not who we are. We're we're not going to do that to you because we think, like you just said, the complexity leads to opportunities, and uh, if you don't want opportunities, fine, but we would think the people that call us do want to look at all the different opportunities and take advantage of of everything that's out there, whether or not they decide to to use it or not, you know, we'll, we'll... talk about that, but at least it's there. It's an option. And I, I think people rather have options than have those options taken away. So I think it's really important to, obviously, that's, that's what I built my career on and what we built our company on. I was just looking at our company photo and there's yeah. 35 of us in there. I, I remember yeah. when there was me and Bob. And so <laughs> little office it. in the corner there and you were knee deep yeah. in tax returns. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, we certainly have uh, the horses now to do the the more complex stuff for folks. So I think that that's uh, really important. Obviously, that's what we talk about on this show. If you're listening, you probably think that's important, too. Yeah. And as we said before, Brian, I mean, we really do have a great team at Madrona Financial and CPAs. And certainly, I think, again, if our listeners want to go beyond just a product sales pitch, they really want an advisor who looks at their life and their situation through a comprehensive lens. I think Madrona Financial and CPAs is the firm for you. If you'd like to talk to us again about your individual situation, you want to get your complimentary Madrona analysis, no cost, no obligation for that. Remember, it's not going to cost you a dime. You can make that call right now if you like that number 833 833- 673-7373 and request your complimentary Madrona analysis. Again, no cost and no obligation for that. Well, Brian, we just get started, then we run out of time. I want to thank you for your time, but most importantly, I want to thank all of our fine listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your own individual information. Ryan Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DSD investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliate entities. Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc. PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.